Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm thankful that you've made it to the house of God. I hope you enjoyed your, your holidays and your Christmas, celebrating Jesus and the new year. Um, you know, we, we had our folks in for New Year's. Uh, our family came up and uh, enjoyed being with them. I honestly can't remember the last time I've seen the ball drop. I always say, well, you know, uh, in Nova Scotia, it's midnight, so we might as well just celebrate it now. And uh, by 9.30, I'm heading toward the bed. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. Shannon says, you're no fun. I said, well, I didn't know if I was fun to start with. But anyway, it's, it's good to have you here in the house of the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to turn with me a couple of scriptures I'm going to bring to your attention. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And then I want you to also go to Malachi chapter 3. If you're looking for both of those, they're both in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes is uh, right there around Psalms and Proverbs. And Malachi, if you're looking for it, just go to Matthew and go back one book. Okay, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And uh, that should help you a little bit of locating Malachi chapter 3. An ancient Greek philosopher once said, his name was Heraclitus, and he said this. He said, no one can step in the same river twice. Because as the river keeps moving, the world keeps changing. You can't step into the same river twice. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, he echoes this sentiment when he says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. The world we live in is in constant change. The only difference between the days of Heraclitus and the days of Solomon and us seems to be that the flow of the river has increased. Am I right? It seems that the pace and the rate of change has become exponentially greater. But I can tell you that everybody in this room right now, there's no way around it. You are going to experience change. All of us are caught in the middle, we are all standing in the middle of that river that is continually changing and flowing past us in our feet. Exactly one year ago today, I stood before you, January of 2020, the very first Sunday, and I said this statement, I said, there will be more change that will come in your lives in the coming years than, has been, than you have seen in decades I had no idea how truly prophetic that word would be. At times we welcome change because just as this past year we think, oh, well, it's been a new year. Thank goodness we got rid of 2020. Maybe we have a new job. Maybe it's a new car or, an, or a, new, uh, a new house. But times we resist the change. We say, you know what? I like things the way they are. I don't want things to change. I just want to leave everything as status quo. On Friday night, most people cheered the ending of 2020. Is anybody in this room in agreement? You cheered the ending of 2020. Thank God that year is over with. But I want you to understand something, church. 2021 can make you no promises. 
The turning of a calendar does not guarantee a better life or a better future. As a matter of fact, 2021 can't promise any more than what 2020 actually promised. And that is that the river that you stand in will continue to flow and that the seasons will continue to pass by you. Just as Solomon said, the seasons will come and go. So my question here today, I hope, will spark a lot of interest in your mind and that you will engage me and you will engage the Word of God because the question is, what are we to do as we stand in the middle of this river? What are we to think as we stand in in our lives, standing in the river of change? Will it change? Will this river overwhelm us in the coming year? Will this river displace us will be we be dislodged from our life will we be grappling to try to keep our head above water what do you do what do you hold on to with a world that's filled with constant change what do you do in a life that's filled with seasons that come and go joyful seasons harvest seasons, springtime and life and what about the seasons of death how do you stand in the middle of this changing river that seems to circulate around our feet How do you keep it from sweeping us away? What do you hold on to? The answer is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, where the Lord speaks to this prophet and he reveals something very important to him and his nature. He reveals his nature to this prophet and he describes himself in a theological term that what we we call as the doctrine of immutability. Now, I'm not giving a test, but it's something that you need to understand. The doctrine of immutability is the understanding that God is the immovable object that stands in the middle of the river of life that constantly changes, but God never changes. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, the Lord says to Malachi, and I want you to look at these words, For I, the Lord, do not change. I think there should be an amen on that. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. I, the Lord, do not change. Father, I pray that, Lord, in the next few moments, that, Lord, that you would take the words that you have given me the scriptures that, Lord, that you have opened up to me, that you would allow them, Lord God, to penetrate the hearts and minds of every person who is not only in this room, but those who are watching now and who will watch later. Lord, this message, God, may it inspire us, Lord God, in the midst of this life that is constantly under change. May we know that, Lord, you are the one who does not change. Bury that within our hearts and encourage us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you understand a God that doesn't change? Let me just take you through that. How do you understand this unchanging God? If you're taking notes, the first blank on your note sheet is this, is that His essence is unchangeable. The essence of God is unchangeable. When he says, I am a God who does not change, what does he mean? He means, first of all, that his essence is unchangeable. I can tell you, church, that I cannot stand up here and adequately describe the essence of God because God is not a substance. He is an existence. 
God is not a being. He is just being. But what He is, we cannot quite describe. We just call that His essence. We call that the essence of God that never changes. You see, the substances of the world are always in change. A few days ago, as the snow began to fall, it fell upon the mountaintops. And as those mountaintops that were crowned with all of the beautiful snow that I know that many of you have seen, by the summertime, that beautiful crown will be, will be eliminated by the sun's rays and the warmth of the heat. And that change will flow down the sides of that mountain in rivers and torrents and streams of water until once again the clouds gather over that mountain and it showers that mountain with snow and crowning it once again with the beauty of this white majestic picture in your body right now you are constantly under change your body is not even the same as it was when you walked in the building your red blood cells live for about four four uh four months white blood cells live about a year your skin cells live between three and five weeks your colon cells only live between three and five days The bones that you have when you were younger don't feel like the same bones you had now when you're older. Can I get an amen? You're losing density in your bones, and all the while your body is trying to to recoup the losses over the years that your bones have lost that density. 1 John 2, verse 17 makes it plain. It says that the world and its desires are passing away. Everything that you see around you is passing away. It's in decay. Your body itself, the chair that you sit in, the carpet that you walk on, the ceiling that sits above us, everything in this world is passing away. Not just those things that are man-made, but the things that surround us. The world is in decay. And even the desires are passing away. There are desires that I'd had when I was 20 years old that I have no desire to do anymore. I used to desire to play, go play touch football after church with all the guys. I don't desire to do that anymore. Can I get an amen, Ray? I like to walk too much to go play touch football. The world and its desires are passing away, but here I want you to understand, my friend, God is perpetually the same. His essence has not changed. He is not composed of a substance that is prone to decay or material that will dilapidate. He is spirit. He is pure and essential. He is ethereal spirit. And therefore, He is immutable. There's that word again. He is unchangeable. He remains everlastingly the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will not have wrinkles that will appear upon His face. His joints will not grow stiff. The passing of time will not scar Him with mementos of His life that is lived. He has seen centuries. He has seen millennia come and go. But to Him, it is still forever now. Because God has not changed. He is the great I am. He is the great unchangeable God. The only one of the only kind. He is an unchangeable God that says, I, the Lord, do not change. He will not wear out, folks. In Jesus, His essence did not change either. God inserted Himself into mankind. And when the Son of the Lord wrapped Himself in flesh, His flesh did not become God, nor God 
nor did God become flesh by changing his nature. Listen. God and man were united in this hypostatic union. And as Christ walked the earth, God remained the same. He was the same when he was a baby in the manger as he was when he stretched out the heavens across the sky. When he hung on the cross and his warm blood flowed down his face in a river of red, he, is the sa- he was the same as he was when he held the world upon his shoulders. He was the same as he was when he carried the keys of death and hell in his hands. He has not changed. He is the same. The Lord will never change in His essence. Not even in the incarnation did God Almighty change. He remains everlastingly, eternally, the unchanging God, the Father of lights. And as what James 1.17 says, he is, there is no variation or changing in shadows of Him. Secondly, you have to understand that His attributes are unchangeable not only his essence how god is what god is made up of but the attributes of god have not changed what do you mean pastor well whatever attributes or characteristics that god has had in the past he still has so just ask yourself this question with me was god at one time ever powerful Did he have power when he spoke the worlds and the cosmos and he scattered the planets across the sky? Did he have power when he spoke existence out of non-existence? Was he omnipotent when he piled up the mountains and scooped out the oceans? Was God powerful then? Was he powerful then? He is no less powerful now. His might and His strength are forever the same because He says, I, the Lord, do not change. His power is the same as He was when He created the universe as it is today. Was God ever wise? When He masterfully constructed the earth and He finally tuned the universe and the earth to spin at the precise angle and the precise moments. Did he show wisdom when he planned out his plan of salvation for you and I? Absolutely, my friend. Yes, he was wise. And he is no less wise and skillful and knowledgeable today than he was then. His eyes have not grown any dimmer over time. His ears that have heard the cries and the sighs and the sobs and the weeping and the groans of the ancients passed from Abraham to Moses to David. He still hears those same cries from the people of God today. He knows as much now as he ever has known. No more and no less. Why? Because I am the Lord who does not change. Has he changed in his justice? Was God ever just? His actions have always been just. His actions have always been holy in the past as they are today. Has God ever changed in His truth? No. What He says then and what He says now, you can still believe. You can take it to the bank. When God says it, it's absolute. It is truth yesterday, today, and will be tomorrow. 
Has God changed in his goodness? Has God changed in his generosity? Has God changed in his compassion? Absolutely not. He's still generous and gracious and compassionate to us that even while we were still sinners, Christ dies for us. Even when we sin, he's still there ready to dispense grace to those who will be willing to receive it. When God sees us, he sees a heart that is hurting and he has compassion upon those who are grieving and who are struggling in this river of change that we fight ourselves in thankfully has God ever loved yes for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life his love is unchanging his strong love stands like a granite rock in the middle of a flowing river that's changing through our course of time he will not be moved he is the God who will love until the very end his love is reaching out to you today his love is reaching out to those who are watching online today his love is reaching out across this world among people whose lives have been changed and wrecked over the past year because he is a God who says I the Lord will not change somebody say praise the Lord hallelujah the Bible tells us that his love is unmoved even in the tidal wave of our own sinfulness I want you to think about that great love that God has for you. Even in the midst of your own sin and mine, His love is immovable. He's not given up on you. He's not given up on your loved ones. He's not given up on your friends. He's not given up on your family members. He's not given up because His love is immovable. The Bible tells us that when the sun ceases to shine and the moon no longer glows, His love will go on forever and forever. You can take any one thing that you can say about God now, and I can tell you this that the same could be said about God in ages past and the same will be said about Him tomorrow and throughout all eternity because the attributes, the characteristics of God are unchanging. I, the Lord, God will not change. Thirdly, we need to understand that His plans are unchangeable. Years ago, when Shannon and I were serving as missionaries in Ukraine and Russia, it was unique as we would drive through some of the countryside. And she knows this. As we tell this story a lot. We were in those countries just around 2000 is when we first started ministering in that part of the world. And, you know, it had been about 10 years since the Iron Curtain had fallen. Communism had lost its... It's a stranglehold upon those people and everything changed for them. Talk about change. The people of the former Soviet Union, they understand change. As we drove through these countrysides with pastors, and we would just be driving along in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden there would be just this huge building that's about 50% done. 
rusting, the, the iron and the, and the steel just rusting under the elements, cranes that are still there with cables holding materials in the crane, waiting to be swung into that building to be used. Complete stoppage of all construction. It was like, it was like what the rapture would be like. As if everybody who was working all of a sudden just vanished. Tools lay where that person was. They lay sitting silent. Machinery set silent where people would, would operate to build this building, but it was incomplete. All over Russia and Ukraine and the former Soviet Union are buildings just like that. And still today they just rot under the elements and the rust because the plans were changed. One of the funniest things that we saw as we were driving through the middle of just this open field, you could see for miles, it was just nothing. And all of a sudden, we get up and there is a Ferris wheel sitting in the middle of this field. They were building some type of amusement park and there is a Ferris wheel sitting there. And I thought, how empty, how hopeless that seemed because the plans of some joy and, and, and building a community of of fun and a, and a theme park, something that's going to bring enjoyment to all these people. The plans, all of those plans, they vanished. But I want you to know there's never been anything that the Lord began that He did not finish. God has never altered. He has never rearranged His plans, either from lack of resources or because of unexpected events. COVID-19 has not altered the plans of God. Political administrations do not alter the plans of God. Can someone say amen? Your plans and my plans may seem to be up in the air, but God's plans are unchangeable because He is a master planner. He planned out everything long before... He ever acted upon them. And once it was set in motion, it was never altered because His plan was perfect. His purpose will stand. And neither heaven or hell or anything else will alter it. Not even the gates of hell can stop His plan for the church because His plan is unchangeable. Why would He ever need to? Because His plans are perfect. And this plan can't be wrong. It's an everlasting plan. And we will live to see His plan accomplished because you and I one day, God has a plan for you. And can I just encourage you this morning? God's plan for you has not been altered by the river that has swept by you over the past year. Come on, somebody. The plan that God has in store for your life is as intact today as it was 12 months ago because the plan of God has not changed. It is unaltered. It is unchangeable. He, the Lord our God, is an unchanging God. If His plan is to redeem repentant men and men and women and for them to live in eternity, that will be the way that His plan, that will be the course of history just as He has planned it. You and I can change our plans. We may change the purposes of our life, 
and our goals and our dreams may change on a daily basis, but the Lord our God will never change, and His plan for you will never change. He has a plan, and His plan is to redeem you and to know you and to one day come back and receive you unto Himself. That's His plan for you. He wants you to know Him in such a way that you come and live in His house forever and forever. That is the plan of God for you. No matter what happens on this earth, no matter what sickness sweeps over the globe, God's plan for you is is unchangeable. I, the Lord, your God, will not change. Whew, that's good preaching. Fourthly, His promises are unchangeable. Can I get an amen on that? Preach with me on this one. We like to talk about the wonderful promises of God. But if we ever thought that that they could be changed, guess what? We'd never mention them again. Isn't that right? If I thought that God's promises would not be fulfilled, I would throw this book in the trash and I would never come back and pick it up again. I'm serious. If the promises of God were just smoke and mirrors and it was just some manipulative way to control my life, if I believed that and if I knew that and saw that and it proved itself out in history, I would chunk everything that I do in my life and I would start something that I all over again. In our lives, we look for immutable things. We look for unchanged things. As a matter of fact, one of your greatest desires that you don't even know that you have is the search for immutability. It's the cause of the human nature because we know that we are finite, that there is an expiration date on all of our lives. And so what we do in our entire life, as you're younger, you try to cover up this idea. But the older you get, the more real it becomes. Someone say amen. When you're young, you deny the fact that you're really standing in that river of change and that you're really grappling to find the source of, the, of, the, of immutability that's going to hold you steady for the rest of your life that won't change. We are in a search for immutability. Men and women all over the world are looking for something that, will, that they can hold on to, that will last hopes that will never change. And I tell you, there's only one place to find that. There's only one. People look in, 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 their we- in wealth and riches, but I will tell you that every house that you will ever buy and every car that you will ever drive will one day expire. You can search in relationships, but can I tell you that at some point those relationships will end either positively or negatively. The word of the Lord is not a yes and a maybe. The word of the Lord, the promises of God, are not today, they are are possible, and tomorrow, maybe. The word and the promises of God are yes and amen. I know that some people may say, well, pastor, you know, I've based my life on God's promises, but now it just seems like 
that those promises are empty and they're unfulfilled. My question to you is, why is that? Why does it seem that way, that the promise of God seems so unfulfilled in your life? Did the promises of God change? Did God change? Oh, my friend, you have changed. Did you hear me? God, why do I feel so empty? Why is it so unfulfilled? You've changed. The river has moved you. God's promise stands still as a firm rock in the midst of the search of our lives, seeking for something that's immutable, something that won't move, that will constantly bring joy and constantly bring blessing, constantly bring favor to our lives. What is it? We're always searching for those things, that happiness that we cannot, that we, that we are in pursuit of as the American dream, this constant pursuit of happiness. It is only found in the promises of God. They are immutable. The only reason why we can't find it is because we've allowed the river to move us. We've lost grip of the rock. It stands firm in the midst of shifting sand. Some would say, I thought I had my house built upon this stable ground, but as the wind came and as the, as, as the wind and waves began to, to, grow, to, to blow upon my house, my house started falling apart. My question is, did the promise change? No. But the the foundation never moved, but the house that you built made out of wood, hay, and stubble fell apart. You've been shaken on the rock, but the rock beneath your feet has not moved. Can I just give you a secret? of what you should do when the winds begin to blow around you and the waves and the, and the river begins to, to flow so fast that you can't hang on anymore. You throw yourself face down upon the foundation. You throw yourself face down upon the promises of God and you hold on because that is the only thing that will not move. Quit trying to chase everything else around. Quit trying to catch happiness in here and there and and with this next purchase or, or, or this next relationship. Quit trying to find it in all of those things. You lay face down upon the Word and the promises of God, and my friend, you will not move. You will be safe. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I care not trust the sweetest vein, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I, the Lord, do not change. His threats are unchangeable. If you want to understand an unchanging God, you have to understand this, and this is important. His threats are unchangeable. Okay, Pastor, explain that one to me. What do you mean? Well, if every promise stands and is unmovable for believers, His promise also stands for those who reject and rebel against Him. I want you to mark my words, friends. Every threat as well as every promise will be fulfilled by the plan of God. 
John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But catch this. But whoever does not believe stands condemned. This is a truth that cannot change because God cannot change. You can be as good as you can be. You can be as moral as you can be. You can be as honest as you can be. You can walk a virtuous life. You can be generous. You can be kind. And there's, but there stands this unchangeable threat hanging over your life. And that is this. Whoever does not believe in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ, stands condemned. You can be the best citizen in Denton County and stand condemned because the threat of God is still upon you. truth is is that hell waits in the future of those who do not know jesus it's an unchangeable truth and when a thousand years of hell's torments have passed the person that is in that flame will see the words whoever does not believe is condemned And after a million years have gone by and that person is exhausted in their pain and in their agony, they will look up and once again see the words, whoever does not believe is condemned. And when that person is separated in the dark, all of God's goodness and His presence, and will have thought that eternally has finally reached a turning point, they will once again see the words, whoever does not believe stands condemned. I know that this is not popular sermon fodder. It's not a popular message if you want to be a successful preacher in today's world, for sure. Most churches avoid the subject of judgment because this generation doesn't want to hear it. They'd rather have their ears tickled with Ten ways to a successful life or five steps to happiness. Don't mention it, Pastor. Don't say, don't talk about hell. Don't talk about judgment. Don't talk about the threats that God makes to those who don't believe and who reject Christ. Don't don't bring that up. Friends, I want you to know as your pastor and as your friend, I am obligated to tell you about the judgment of God and the judgment of sin just as I am obligated to tell you about the forgiveness of sin. I don't want you to end up in that place of torment and agony. I don't want you to realize that, that, that someday that, that God's truth, true threat of hell was real. I don't want you to just believe that as some kind of passing fairy tale. It's truth that when Jesus said those who don't believe shall stand condemned, He means it. Without Jesus Christ, your hell lies in your future. Sometimes we have to be reminded of those unpleasantries. Scripture says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why? Because I, the Lord, do not change.
He has established a way. And he has given us the choice to choose. Finally, his love and the objects of his love are unchanging. I've already mentioned this somewhat, but if God has ever loved you at any point in the past, he's going to keep loving you forever. (laughs) Wow, that's good news. That's good news for me because we are the object of his everlasting love. God loved at some point in the past. He's going to love forever in the future. And guess what? The object of all of his love is us. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. A love that will never fail. A love that will never end. Good news, good news, good news. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. John chapter 13, Jesus says this about his disciples. He says, For I have loved, he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end until he carried that cross. And even when he put it upon his back and he walked up the hill of Calvary and the nails were driving in his hands and in his feet. And as the whip bore down upon his back, as the blood dripped off of his face from the crown of thorns, he was still in love with you, my friend. He still did not have vengeance or anger in his heart toward you. He loved you even though you were a sinner and you were lost he loved you that's good news it's good news because we have a way sometimes of being unlovable can somebody give me an amen i'm not talking about your wife or your husband i'm saying you just give me an amen we can become unlovable we can have attitudes Anybody get attitudes before? Anybody have some attitudes in your home before? Get a little snarky. Get a little short. Talk to me. We can even do the old stonewall ignore. Did you say something? 30 minutes later. We can be very unlovable at times. Sometimes we can be like hugging a porcupine. It's just where do you find a place to get around that? Thank God He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us to the very end. He loves the family member that you can't hardly stand. Everybody's got one. Come on. He loves that person in your office that just drives you crazy, that nobody likes. God doesn't like them. He loves them. God doesn't love sin, but he still loves the sinner, thank the Lord. Because if he didn't love the sinner, there wouldn't be one person in this church today. And I'm so grateful that as the object of his love, God loves me enough that he doesn't leave me where he finds me. He doesn't leave me sucking up to the enemy. He doesn't leave me dying in my sin. He doesn't leave me as an addict. He doesn't leave me as an abuser. He doesn't leave me as as an alcoholic. He doesn't leave me as, as a liar or a thief. He doesn't leave me there. He changes me. 
And I become a new creation in Christ Jesus so that I'm not longer standing under the curse of sin and death, but I am a different person. Can somebody say amen? You've been found by His love. Thank God His love doesn't just, uh, doesn't just play hide and seek. He always wins, that His love finds us wherever we are hiding, wherever we are trying to stay away. God finds His love will find you wherever you are. His love can find you. It's us to... It's our responsibility to respond to that love. I, the Lord, do not change. Let me just close by giving you just three three ideas. We're going to close. How do you deal with this change? How do you deal with standing in this river? We, we were all we're all standing in it even today. I can look across this church. I see so much that's changed. So much. 2021, we're going to still be standing in the river. But on what rock will you be standing upon? How do you deal with the change? How do you deal with change in your own life? I know many of you, your, your livelihoods have changed. Your family has changed. The way you do work has changed. The way you do everything has changed. People watching online right now, how they do church has changed. Everything It's changed. How do you deal with it? What do you do? Let me just give you three thoughts and I'm going to close. Number one, you have to return to the Word of God often. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. One version says, Your Word is established, which means it's done. The, the deal is signed. It's a done deal. My question is, what difference when you read the Scriptures what difference is there between the people in the Bible and us? What difference is there? Well, they had fellowship with Him. They trusted in His Word. They lived by faith. They stood on His promises. But guess what? Those are the same essential realities that are true for us today as they were for the Old Testament and the New Testament people. The stories that you read about, those people seem like fairy characters, something made out of Disney or Pixar, but they're not. Those were real people. And the reason why we know that when we return to the Word of God and we see how can we stand and live in the midst of change is because the responses that they had are the same as the responses that we must have. The question that falls back to, this, to the idea of why does our level of Christian conduct often fall so far below theirs? Good question, right? Why does our responses to change and to challenges many times fall below that of those disciples and apostles? Oh, they had their weaknesses. They had their failures. But how did they respond to those? How did they respond to that change? How did Peter respond to that rooster that crowed? How did Paul respond to that bright light that knocked him off his horse? How did he respond? What did he do when the stones were flying at him and the sticks were beating over his back and people were chasing him out of town and people were threatening him not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore? How did they respond to those changes? What did they do? How do, why, do, why should we fall any further short than what the apostles and those, those patriarchs, when, when Abraham stepped out and God said, go where I'm telling you, he said, where are we going? I don't know. You just follow me. Yes, sir. And when God speaks to us, how do, how do, why do we fall short? Why should we? We shouldn't because the Word of God is the same. And guess what? God is the same. I, the Lord, do not change. 
Therefore, his requirements are the same. We cannot baby food the gospel in the Bible in our generation simply because we like to say, well, it's harder today. These kids are faced with more trials and sin and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you, my friends, the requirements have not changed. So go back to the Word of God. Renew and return your love for the Word of God because only there will you find how people responded to changes in their life and give you direction on how you should respond to yours. Secondly, is we have to mature in our faith. Do you know why people remain immature Christians? Do you know why? I want you to think back when you were younger. I got, I got my three kids in this room this morning. Guess what? They still live under a house that I own, that my wife and I own. They actually drive vehicles, and their name's not on it. It's my name. It's my wife's name. Almost always are they eating my food. They sleep on pillows that I bought, on a bed that I bought. I don't think you guys own anything, do you? But guess what? They're young. I've tried to do my best to help them along. Because when you are young, when you are immature, guess what? You don't have a whole lot of responsibility. And why do... Does this generation love immaturity? Because the longer you stay immature, the less responsibility you have in life. All right, there's a, there's a truth right there. What do we see in this generation? I see tremendous amounts of immaturity, not just in living life, but in spiritual immaturity. It is rampant. It is a disease throughout the church. Church is filled with immaturity. Why? Because the, the more immature I am, the less responsibility I feel for myself. If I can stay immature, I have no responsibility. Now, I'm not preaching down to my kids. I love them or I wouldn't have done those things. I might take your pillows away. We have to mature. If we're going to stand in this river where the pace, undoubtedly, where the change flow is much more rapid. My friend, those watching online, listen to me. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. 2020 exposed immaturity. 2020 exposed immaturity in the church. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that's not in church today is an immature believer and they're just... Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But can I tell you, I just asked this question. If you are less close to God January 21 than you were in January 20, you need to grow up because you're going the wrong direction. You're not, you're not maturing in your faith 
You haven't allowed this pandemic and all of the changes that we've seen. Our, you haven't allowed God to grow you. You have given up responsibility because it's easier. It's easier to sit back and to coast and to let everybody else do the work and do the study and let pastor give me a word so I can make it another week. My friends, you need to get back on your knees and say, God, grow my faith. So that when the river's flowing, pushing me, and, and, and I'm struggling to stay up, may I stand upon the Word of God and upon my faith that is immovable. Grow my faith. And finally, you have to manage your perspective. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this, Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's always good when we back up a little bit, and we see the 10,000-foot view. It's beautiful as we go and we visit Seth in Colorado as we're driving toward the mountains, and it's just so beautiful to see those things. But do you know what I think is even more beautiful? When you're 10,000 feet up in an airplane flying over the Rockies and you see the vastness of that mountain range. Instead of just seeing one peak here and one peak there, you're seeing the whole picture. My friends, we're a part of a kingdom that the Scripture says cannot be shaken. We are strangers and aliens in a foreign land. We are citizens that are not of this world. We are a part of something that's much bigger than what we see going on in the United States, what's going on in Europe, what's going on in Africa or where in China. It doesn't, all of those things are minute and small compared to the expansiveness of the kingdom of God. And sometimes what we need to do when the river starts flowing and all the news and the, the 24 hours a day, we just get bombarded with this is happening and this is going on. What you need to do is you need to soar on wings as eagles and you need to rise above all that stuff. You need to wait upon the Lord and gain a new perspective because that's what waiting on the Lord does for you. You begin to see a 10,000 foot view down rather than a 5 foot view where everything's ominous and so big and so grandiose then you see the whole plan of God that's what perspective does for you how do you handle change in your life get that kingdom view get the kingdom view see that see what God's doing in your life as a whole Usually the only way that we understand our life is when we're looking in the rearview mirror of it. We check that mirror often. And that's how we understand it. My friends, I, the Lord God, do not change. That's what he says. You can stand in that river because he will not move. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you today for your word that's true, does not change. I pray that, Lord, today, that, Lord, that you would take your word and that you would, Lord, inscribe it upon our hearts. Let this verse of Scripture, Lord Jesus, be an inspiration and an encouragement to all of us. That, Lord, no matter what the days of 2021 bring, Lord, no matter what even the days of this following week or month bring, Lord, we know that, Lord, that you are still a steady rock in the midst of a raging river of change. 
May we keep our perspective, Lord. May we grow up and mature, Lord. May we run to your word, Lord, to discover the promises and the actions of the ancients and those who have served you. May we mimic, Lord, their ideas and their responses of what to do. Lord, as we go today, I pray that, Lord, that you would help us to recognize you are unchanging. We praise you and we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.